I think, really, every child has big dreams. There's dreams, of course, they see the uniform, they see the respect. I want to be a policeman. They see going on the edge of danger, and they want to, you know, be the hero of the day. I want to be a fireman. We see young men who want to do risky things, and you're like, oh. Like, my wife would always say, hey, be careful out there. And I'm like, always take risk. Take risk. Have a good time. My wife's like, why would you say take risk like that? I'm like, come on. Just enjoy life. Get out there. Just see what, what God has for you. But also, there's an expectation of kids that their dad is going to be a dad of strength, of stability, that this dad would be the dad that wants to protect and to care. And a lot of dads are that way. Some dads aren't that way, unfortunately. Young daughters, they want to look to their mom and say, mom's going to take care of me. She's going to you know, help me get through relationships. She's going to help me you know, know what to wear to my first, you name it. And some moms are fantastic. Some moms have not been the greatest in that. But also we have friends that we really count on. Friends that we look back over the years and we're so grateful for these meaningful relationships that have challenged us and we've had the opportunity to challenge them. Sometimes they are lifelong friends. Other times, for unknown reasons, they're not lifelong friends. And it hurts. It's tough. People in the church as well. We want, we as people of faith want to be strong in the faith. We want to be able to handle God's word and to navigate through difficult times. We want to be surrounded with people that are that way. These people that want to walk according to the faith that they know is true. This faith that God is with us, for us, has a plan for us. There's a direction that we're heading in. We want to head there together. We want to encourage each other according to the gifts that God has given us. And oftentimes we have people that we're just so grateful that God has brought them into our lives. And they live that way to their dying breath. Others don't. We're disappointed. We're grieved when people don't continue in the faith. We're disappointed when we see these issues of life have gotten in their way and, and tripped them up and they haven't continued. It just grieves us. But today, as we are going to part two into living this life of faith, I want to consider carefully kind of where we are as a people, kind of where we are as, you know, as a culture, but also kind of where we're going, and that we need endurance. We need to continue. We want to continue in the faith that God has given us, right? Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful that you are the God who cares, the God who sees, the God who knows, the God who directs and guides but more than that, the God who strengthens us. Our faith is not our own. It's the faith you've given. I know that there are times my mind wars against the faith you've given. But then you say, let's take every thought captive. Let's renew our minds. Let's keep it aligned with truth when evil and... and uh, Untruth is so readily available in our culture. In my own mind, it's readily available. 
But today, we commit ourselves to you. We align ourselves with you. I would ask that you'd speak powerfully through your word. I would ask that we would remember this day as we think about faith, as we think about strengthening faith, as we think about our interaction of faith in within that faith, uh, in uh, both those that we don't know and those that we know very well. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you would turn with me to Hebrews 10, have that ready to go, I would appreciate that. So as we just were considering that we want to be a people, oh, excuse me, thank you so much. There's going to be several scriptures that we will be going through today. If you're needing a Bible, you're going to need one. So just raise your hand, one right over here. If you need a Bible, we have people that will get them right out to you, right over this way as well, up in front. Boy, we might need two. Anybody on this side? Don't let this side beat you out. Come on, this side. Let's looking for one on this side. Looking for one here. None going once. None on this side going twice. All right. So right up here in the front still, this side still is the winning side. All right. Beautiful. Dan's like, here we go. Oh, my. <laughs> okay. You know, so... Really, this heart of ours that wants to be strong, we want to do what God wants us to do, and yet this body of ours, this culture of ours, is trying to do something very different than what God wants. So there's this war between the two, this, this conflict that we have of what we know is right, we want to do what's right, but then there's this conflict of we seem to do sometimes what we know is wrong. And sometimes what we know is wrong is to be faithless to do the things based upon what we want to do rather than what we know God wants us to do. There are a lot of good things that we participate in, a lot of good things that we do, but it's not always the best thing. What God is asking us to do, to do is the best thing. It's the right thing. But most often it's the difficult thing. So when we see those around us that we're encouraged by, but also those around us that we are discouraged by, we're going to need times of refreshing. We need times of being built up. We're like, what's, God, what's going on? How can they be unfaithful like this? How can I be? How can they be me? How can I be unfaithful like this? Well, you have those questions, but we also find ourselves in Hebrews 10, 35, with that same being true then. Let's read this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. I am going to need to... Vince, would you grab me that little tissue box there? Just one of those. Some mighty good things you guys grabbed that today. Thank you. So, you know, here the Hebrews, they were going through a hard time. There was confusion. 
the oppression of the church was going on, and they were, they were needing someone to come through and, and kind of save them in a sense. And as I was saying earlier about the people that, that are expecting something, even today there's an expectation that, okay, someone has got to come through and save the day. But that's imprinted in our hearts of needing someone to save us from our current situation. Movies are made from this left and right. I like the action movies. I can't deny it. I like the James Bond movies. There's things I don't like about it. But, you know, there's special training that takes place. And the training takes place that there's very specific actions for that training. That you're going to put yourself to the test. You're going to be in unknown environments. You know there's going to be trials that come your way. There's going to be great hardship that comes going to come your way. There's injury that's going to come your way. There could quite possibly be death that comes your way. Jack Reacher is another one that we can think of. Uh, we can think of the Patriot, William Wallace. You know, this, this uh, it's not a documentary by any means, but it talked about a real person that was really like, we want to see freedom. We want to see justice. We want to see what is right take place, but yet we're also seeing the wickedness around us. We are seeing evil taking place. We need someone to come in and, and participate in being the solution, an answer to a very known problem. We need to have somebody to be like that. And so here we stand in this difficult place. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. No amount of works or tenacity, doing it on your own strength. Okay, so one person might have more gifts than another person. That doesn't impress God. What impresses God is the person that says, I, I'm available. I might not have much, but I'm available. God, I believe that you are the one that can use me. It's not me, that is, but you could use me today. This is called walking in this great treasured faith. This faith that is in God. It's not in ourselves. It's in God. Pastor Tony Evans has a great explanation of faith, and he says this. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is like God telling the truth. And he goes on to say, that's why the Bible says faith is walking by faith, not talking by faith, not feeling by faith. Unless it has hit your feet, it's not faith. It's this faith in action. It's, it's participating in what God has for you today, even though you don't feel like you're necessarily up to the task. Because you know it's, you're not up to the task, but you know that God is up to the task. And it's the substance. It's not the, hey, God, give me great faith. Well, a lot of people put great faith in a lot of things that seem worthwhile. We discussed that at length last week. Some people put their faith in the stock market, their portfolio, their, their household net worth. Some people put their faith in their intellect and their education. Some people put their faith in their physical abilities and their friendships uh, and their political connections. So it's not really the, the amount of faith that you have. It's the substance of your faith. So there's a lot of people that are grasping for big things, but it's just, you know, uh, air bubbles. It's, it's it's vanity. It's really, they're, they're trying to have a great big bubble, but really there's nothing inside of it. But for the believer, it's not the size of faith, but the substance of faith. 
the faith even as small as a mustard seed that's based upon God's actions, God's will, God's power, that's what we rely on. And so there's times where we feel like we're weak, that we, we hardly have anything left to give. But yet that's when God says, when you're weak, I'm strong. When you feel disheveled and you feel disoriented, that's where I'm going to guide you. That's where I'm going to direct you. That's where I'm going to lead you through life. And we've got to be reminded of this. Boy, I went through a lot just right then. Okay, way down here. Okay. <laughs> there are some that there are some that believe that God put things into order. Absolutely believe that God created the heavens and the earth. They believe it. But then there are those that believe that's true, that God set things into order, but then he's about more important things. He's kind of not with us anymore. He's doing other things. He's too busy. He's too powerful to be engaged with the affairs of a simple man. Some of our you know, initial founding fathers of our great nation believed that. Believed in God, believed in God got things started, but not really interacting. Scripture could not be more against that. I'm so glad that there's Scripture that says the nearness of our God is our good. He's near. He's not a far off. So we've got to remind ourselves, God is near. And the nearness of our God is our good. We need to remember that we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. This is an active participation, knowing that we have cares, knowing that we have worries, knowing that there's things that we are participating in that is hard. We go through hard things. But when we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us, that means he's engaged, he's acting, he's willing, per, willingly participating in our lives. Psalm 16, I love this. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder why my heart is glad and I rejoice my body rests in safety. Isn't that sweet? Even though there are difficult times, it's like, okay, but I know God's here with me. I rest in safety because of God. We need to be reminded of those facts to engage cultures. I want to look at four different things, and I'm hoping you'll follow with me. We just went through confidence. Why do we have confidence? Because in Scripture it says, don't lose your confidence. Receiving the promise, the righteous live by faith, and we are not those that shrink back. So these are key points of 10, 35 through 39. So why do we have confidence? Because God's with us. Because God is for us. He knows how we are, and he knows also that he wants us to participate us and them. Well, it's their job. Okay, would you please explain who, who are they? Well, the guy next to me. Okay, who's the guy next to you? They is you. God wants us to participate in this walk of faith, and to participate in bringing light to the darkness, participating in bringing wisdom to the foolish, participating in bringing righteous to a very unrighteous people. 
And we do so by simply living the walk of faith daily. We're not trying to stir up some kind of faith and like, okay, I'm going to wind up this faith or, or I'm going to take my little race car wheels and get the springs going set it down so then this car can race off for a moment. It's every single day walking according to faith, building other people's faith up, but being built up in our own faith by each other, but by the Holy Spirit working in us. So the confidence that God is there, but also the confidence to receive the promise. We see really Jesus' confidence in Scripture that these promises are there. And we see it very clearly when he was tested, when he was in the wilderness. So here's the one that wrote Scripture. Here's the one that made creation. All things were made by him and for him and for his good pleasure. And yet when Satan came, he used Scripture. He was he was anticipating that the word of God is truth and that it would be powerful, that it was living and that it was active. He was going to rely upon God's truth, God's promises. So Jesus used scripture because he was so convinced that God's promises were the very best way to combat evil. He gave that because that's how he wrote it, but also he gave it so that we can then anticipate that he will move that way in our hearts as well. The Word of God is more than something just to be memorized, but something to be used. We need to be able to handle God's Word correctly. The person of faith understands God's Word and, and handles it correctly. There have been many that have mishandled God's Word and have used it to abuse. There's no question. It was true in the Pharisees' time that when uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead, we remember the account where Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and then uh, Lazarus was alive, and he, Jesus was giving God the glory for that, and people started to believe in Jesus Christ because they had a witness of Lazarus that raised up. You know what the Pharisees wanted to do? They wanted to kill Lazarus because he was a witness for them, witness for Jesus. So there's going to be those people that are going to use God's word incorrectly, these Pharisees thought they knew God's word, sure, but they were using it really to bring destruction. But we need to be a people that use it to build up, to encourage, to make sure that we live this life of faith, but also this life of grace and peace and patience. Proverbs 10, or 35 says, every word of God proves true. Every word of God proves true. We want to rely that it is truth. When we are seeing things, say, this doesn't seem like it's right. Your promises don't seem like they're applying to me. Then you're calling God a liar. If we're going to believe that what God says is true, then when you say, God, this isn't true for me, so you must be a liar. We want to say, God's every word of God is truth. It's going to prove true. There's going to be something that is going to come out of this that we don't see or necessarily understand at this moment, but it's true. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's tough. Yes, transition is difficult. But yet, your word proves true. Your word proves true. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
we want to hold on to these scriptures, knowing that, okay, if this is true, then that means it's true for me as well. It's not just true for Joshua, it's true for me. That there can be a strength to hold on to God's promises. We want to know that those promises are for us as well. I love that scripture. Now, the promise, the promise, is, of course, our eternal home. It's, it's that we will have a relationship with God that is untainted by sin. The promise is that sins are forgiven. The promise is shame is taken away. The promise is that there's a relationship with God and that we will live with Him forever. That is the promise. But there are also many specific promises that, that go along with that promise. Okay, sure, there's an umbrella corporation that has many corporations underneath it, but the umbrella corporation is God's promise. God's promise is right and true, and we are going to move in that direction. All of our lives are moving toward that direction, but underneath there are also the sub-promises that the believer is able to hold on to, and the unbeliever should shake about, should be nervous about, because those promises are true also, that there is a judgment that's coming. But we as believers want to hold on to the promises that God has given us. So, in Hebrews 10, you know, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.23. Isn't that something? Let's not grow weary in doing good, because if we endure, then the promises would come back. Hebrews is powerful. Hebrews 10.23. That fact, let's just, let me just read that again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He, God, is the one faithful. I'm shocked at some things that I do after all these years of being a believer. I'm not the, the faithful one. God is faithful. God uses the weak to confound the strong. He's faithful. But yet, it's hard not to grow weary, right? It's difficult. Because it seems like a barrage of problems come our way. And I would venture to think that on occasion, the Christian has even more troubles. Because we have this deep abiding concern for those people that are around us. And we're engaging in conversation against their lifestyle. Now, we're not here trying to condemn them, but what we're trying to say is, your lifestyle is contrary to what God has for us. So you engage in some robust conversations that perhaps somebody else that says, hey, what you're doing is great. That's awesome. <laughs> you left your third wife. Good for you. <laughs> That's so great. I've, I respect you for that. Way to be your own man. We laugh about it, but you've met them. So you engage in these conversations that are difficult. So it's easy to grow weary, right? It's easy to say, boy, things are changing around. I don't like all this change. But yet, God is the one who's faithful, and we want to continue seeing his good hand about us. Who are your heroes of the faith? There could be those today that you know. Remember earlier I was saying we like to surround ourselves with those that are faithful people, those that 
are willing to endure hardship and yet still come out strong on the other side? Could be people in Scripture. I really appreciated Habakkuk last week. Not everybody looks at Habakkuk. But yet, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that he saw his culture being really ravaged by sin, and it bothered him. And he wanted to see God do something about it. God, why are you just sitting up there not doing anything about it? And then God, of course, said, let's take a time out. Let's talk about that for a minute. And so God kind of corrected his own heart. But he stood there. He's like, at least he was talking to God about it. He wasn't just angry and like, well, this faith stuff doesn't work. He's like, it works, but I'm not seeing it work. And I'd like to have some answers about that. So I, you know, I appreciated his heart. One of my heroes of the faith is Paul. Paul. Paul was communicating the good news to people. He was, you know, God did a tremendous work in his life first. He was one that understood the law, understood the, the uh, Levitical law. Understood the Roman law as well, but here's one that he understood what was going on around him. God intervened in his life, changed his life. He had this, this burning passion to tell the world about Jesus Christ, and he was determined to do so. He continued to have this, this feeling of, I want to go to Rome and share, kind of this hub. If the political leaders, if even one of the political leaders would get to know Jesus, I think a lot of things would change. And so I want to get down to Rome and get a hold of one of these political leaders, and maybe things will change. This is what God said in Acts 23, 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified, testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Isn't that cool? God gave him a promise. God gave him a promise and said, okay, as you have testified here, that's going to happen. So Paul was a very bright man. Many of you here are smart. There's no question. So you're... You see your little flow chart going through? Yeah, okay, now if this happens and then this milestone happens at that moment, then I know the waterfall will happen here. And pretty soon we've got, you know, really this base that sort of happened. One person here, then two, three, six, ten. All of a sudden we have this momentum going forward. And that's how it's going to work. We're going to give these studies. We're going to have 15 sermons on this. And Rome's going to be changed. Second Corinthians 11. I've been in prison more frequently I'll loop back. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been uh, exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Spent the night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst 
and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? I guarantee you, that was not in his overall flowchart. It's like, now, if I can get beaten, if I can have vehicle accidents, major accidents that leave me stranded, if I could be without food and water, if I can go through cold hardships, if my friends would betray me, man, I'm in the right place. (laughs) But yet God chose to use these trying tribulation times to show him that I am here for you. My promises are true for you. So there he was. He ended up uh, being imprisoned. He went through this series of botched court proceedings. And, you know, people were just wanting to talk to him and entertain some of the things that he said, but not really change the situation. After a couple of years, finally he said, look, Paul said, this isn't working. This little circus judgment that you're doing has got to stop. I want to go to Rome. All right, you asked for it. Off to Rome he goes. In prison there. And it was there in the dark dungeon that he's like, this is tough. This is cold. It's cold physically. He asked Timothy, hey, would you bring a cloak? I need something to stay warm. They're not giving me anything. It's not three meals a day with 72-degree weather. It's cold. I'm hungry. I need parchments. I, I, I I feel like I need to be participating in what God is doing, and yet I feel restricted. But yet, this is why I'm calling him one of my heroes of the faith. In extreme hardship, he chose to do what God asked him to do. He was going to share the faith then in his dungeon cell. Now listen to this. This is exciting. This is where faith is real. This is where we can have a litmus test. This is where we can have a strength meter. This is where we can go to the fair and take our hammer and hit and see how high up the scale you're able to get that bell. Paul continued to be faithful. He said, yes, I have hard situations here. Yes, this is difficult. But God promised that I'd go and be able to preach. So here I am. That means this must be the place that I'm going to preach. Eventually, he was moved up to house arrest. Didn't necessarily have a, you know, an ankle bracelet on, but what he had was guards that would watch him. Guards would watch him for six-hour shifts. During those six-hour shifts, he would be, obviously those good at math, that'd be four guards a day, right? Six-hour shifts, right? Check my math. Okay, Vince says I'm right. So four guards a day would be watching Paul. Now, these guards were part of the Praetorian guards. That means they were part of, you know, it was like a thousand, but they'd be protecting the royal family, right? So the royal family we're kind of familiar with today, but they'd be protecting the royal family. So there, overseeing Paul, Paul would share his faith, and then 
Later, that same guard would go and protect one of the royalty, one of the family. Hey, is it true that you were talking to Paul? Yeah, I was talking with Paul the other day. Okay, is that guy a freak? No, I don't think he's a freak. I think the guy is really onto something here. In fact, I think what he's saying is actually kind of right. You think so? And then another guard that watched him would be over with someone else. Someone else from Caesar's household. He's like, okay. I was talking to this guard the other day, and he was saying this. What did you find out? Yeah, that's what he said. But he also said this. This shame that we have that could be taken. It could be taken away. This sin that we go through this, that's destructive, that's killing us, you can just see that the fabric's tearing. We don't have to live like that. That's what he was just telling us. Really? That's exciting. So I don't have to, I don't have to be berated like that. There's something wrong with it? Yeah, there's something wrong with that. God is loving and kind, merciful and compassionate. So here's these, these jailers, these prison guards, sharing the faith to people in the household of Caesar's household. And then pretty soon, we start seeing God moving in an amazing way. Listen to Philippians 4. Now, this was written in jail, right? Philippians is one of those that God wrote, that God used Paul to write in jail. Philippians 4.22 says, All the saints... (laughs) <laughs> all right come on Merlin all the saints in Caesar's household that's amazing Send you greetings. Okay, that should kind of gut you. That's amazing. He just says, yeah, it's hard. I'm going to preach the gospel. God uses that to get a hold of some political leaders because he lived his faith in hardship. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So the gospel was advancing. Arts were changing. Okay, so in Romans, he says, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? I'm not ashamed. How can I be ashamed of the gospel? This is incredible. It's the power of God. Not in my situation. It's it's in these very words of God. It's in God's promises. This is incredible. We're able to participate in these promises in a powerful and significant way. Let's go on. The righteous live by faith. God says, My righteous one will live by faith. God is rewarding those who are steadfast in God and His will, enduring, as we just talked about. So again, when the righteous live by faith, as I was saying earlier, it's not just so much that you're stirring up a faith for a moment. I think this is really important to understand that 
We want to not look at our faith as it is today, but as God has designed our faith to be. And that we are walking according to faith, which means let people see your good works, then what? They might glorify the Father. Not glorify you, because it's not your faithfulness that they're glorifying. It's the substance of your faith, which is God. So God sees you working, and they're glorifying God, because they know there's no way Merlin just did that, because I know Merlin. There's no way John just did that, because I know John. No way Dan just did because I know Dan. But it's the faith in God. The righteous will live by faith. That it's an ongoing action that you are participating in what God is asking you to do. Participating in moving forward in God's kingdom. Participating in our daily thoughts and our daily activities. And when we begin to see that those daily thoughts and activities don't align with God's word, then we know we need an adjustment. We need to get back onto what God is asking us to do. Because if you don't live according to faith, then you don't please God. If that's not sobering, you need sobering. (laughs) Because if you feel like you can walk in unrighteousness and not please God and get away with it, I think you're a little more arrogant than you think you are. Because God's word is going to prove to be true. And your arrogance and your foolishness is going to prove to be true as well. We want to live by faith according to God's word, and we want to live it daily. We want to make sure that we're a people that are known for living by God's faith. So when hardship comes your way, and you feel like people are leaving you that you wish were there, you're going to say, God's faithful. God's true. God's working in my life. And even in this current situation, I look forward to seeing what I can't see today. Because faith is not seeing, it's believing what's unseen. Right? So it's unseen. We don't see how it's going to work today, but it's going to work itself out because God has us on this journey of faith. Does that make sense to you? So this is faith moving forward. This is faith in what God has for us. The righteous will live by faith. Okay, I wish I had this up on the screen. I don't. So in your screen of your mind, all right? Clear your thoughts for a moment. Ooh, that doesn't sound right, does it? (laughs) Clear your thoughts in your mind for a moment. (laughs) But this is good. Even though this is not Scripture right now, I wish I was making a bigger deal. Anyways, listen to this. The Word of God is like a lion, You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. Charles Spurgeon. Right? We want to let God's word out. We want to let God's word participate in what's going on around us. Let God's word out. But that takes the faithful believer saying, I'm not much, but I'm available. You're the one. You're the one. And as you're sharing God's word, as you're sharing your faith, as you're living your faith, then that faith is being exploded. As you're sharing God's word, this promise that you're holding on to, this promise that God gave you, promise for your child or promise for your spouse or promise for healing, whatever that might be, it's then that you say, 
I'm just going to watch, see what God does. And then God moves in a spectacular and a mighty way. God is faithful to his word. When the church is doing the will of God, God is asking, doing what God is asking them, being true to his word, then let God defend himself. Let God work in and through us without us being ashamed. Right? Oh, are you the... You're the church that is down to one pastor? What's going on? God's moving. God's got a good plan for us. He's here. We're looking forward to what he's doing. Because God's word is here. God's people are faithful. That's what's going on here. We believe in God's word. That is exciting. This is good. Heroes of the faith, those that have lived out their faith, those with a lifestyle and practice of everyday faith. Abraham believed God and became the father of many nations. Sarah believed God and became pregnant at a very, very old age. Moses believed God and became the deliverer for a people. Rahab believed God and aligned herself with God's people. And her and her family were saved because even in a wicked culture, that she was participating in, she chose to live for God. And God took that all the way down through the birth of Jesus Christ. So God used faith, not her particular culture or her particular people. God used faith to move in Rahab. And her faith saved her and her family. This is powerful. First, first Corinthians 1 says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what was weak in the world to shame the strong. Right? So even the Rahabs walk in faith. Even the Rahabs have prostitutes. Even, even the, she had this opportunity to walk in faith. We are not of those who shrink back. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Now, faith now, it seems obvious, but I think we need... For me, I had to have the reminder of the obvious. Captain Obvious. Faith and faithfulness are in the same word. It's from, it's from the same word. Right? So, faith and being faithful are of the same word, of the same directive. So, you got to have faith? Well, where's your faithfulness? Are you living out this faith that you're aware of? Where's your faithfulness? Are you faithful today when it's easy, and are you faithful tomorrow when it's hard? Faithfulness needs to be tried sometimes. Faithfulness needs to be tested sometimes. Now, we can really look at reasons why we're not faithful. Well, it's because. Or this person that I hate meeting, yeah, but. Yeah, but is not a good guy. 
Yeah, but it's not my fault. That happened. Yeah, but this happened. Yeah, but it's not your friend. So if you start meeting yeah, but, and you start making a lot of excuses for the reasons, yeah, but this happened, and it's not, yeah, but this isn't fair, you got to remember that's not a walk of faith. I used to tell the guys that worked for me before staff, fortunately before working here, hey, an excuse is what happens after the fact. A reason is what happens before the fact. Tell me reasons then. Don't give me excuses. Yeah, buts are not what I'm looking for. Give me a reason before it happens. Okay, Merlin, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow at 2, and so I'm not going to be there. I'll see you at uh, 3.15. Instead of, where's Joey? Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. This, see what I mean? So what we want to do is not make excuses for bad behavior or a lack of faith. We want to be ones that are trying to find reasons to employ our faith. We don't want to shrink back. We want to be faithful. There's a constant working in our faith with fear and trembling. We want to work that out. Yes, absolutely, there's this tension of, of Romans and James. Hey, you show me faith without works, then that faith is dead. Why is that? Is that a saving faith that we're talking about? Of course not. But if faith and faithfulness are the same, that means your actions are going to be faithful. Okay? It stems from having faith in the full salvation that God is doing, but too many times it's like, okay, I have now really arrived and I've become faithful. It's the same faith. It's trusting that God is going to work inside of your life for whatever he wants to do with your life. So it really has very little to do with you other than you're going to continue to put faith into what God is going to do, right? The substance of things believed for. You don't necessarily see it. We don't see salvation, but yet we believe in Jesus Christ that that's what he has done and that he has offered forgiveness. He's, he's offered, you know, this walk of salvation. So it's faith in what God is going to do, right? So this is the walk of faith. This is those that we don't want to retreat. There's sometimes this walk of faith of surrendering our own will feels like a loss. It does. Man, I really want to get even. That guy just said something to me, and my mind's pretty clever. Next time I see him, I'm going to cut like this. And when I say it, it's going to sting. But yet, hey, Uh-oh, there's a lot of blank faces there. In my mind, sometimes that's what goes through my mind. I don't like it, but it's true. But then you're like, no, wait a minute. Not cool, Merlin. Let's not shrink back from doing good. Let's not shrink back from faith that God will deal with that person that just said these things that were not right. God will deal with the person that said totally inappropriate things to you. You don't need to connive, Right? Okay, now you're good. There for a while, I'm like, boy, I'm feeling very exposed here. <laughs> but yet, good. I think we've, we've, we feel that way, but yet we want to not shrink back in what God has asked us to do, and that's to be reflective of his heart, of his heart of compassion and grace and hope and faithfulness and endurance and strength. Right? We want to see that strength move in our life. We want to be 
surrounded with the heroes, but also we want to be the person that is a hero in a sense that we put our faith in God. When we consider our faith, we evaluate from a place of what we know, of what we have come as normal. But it could be, as we conclude, that God is calling you to a place that is not as normal for you. A place of a higher understanding of God's faithfulness. Of a higher understanding of what faith is. Of walking, not according to sight, but according to hope in God. Could be that God is challenging you today to have your faith more out loud. To be more expressionative with your faith. To be more clear with your faith. To take opportunities to share your faith. To share the gospel. Even though you're going through hardships, could be that God is asking you today to share that. Even in those hardships, to see, see you know, the household of Caesar coming to faith. Could be that those people that are most agitating to you, today is the day of their salvation because you remain faithful. So as the worship team comes up, I would ask that you would consider that. Consider your own life. We're going to take just a moment And just have an instrumental. And I would ask that you would pray. Pray that God would move in your heart in such a way of, Lord, how am I with me being a man of faithfulness? A man of understanding that I have been given things to do. A man and a woman. A, a body. A people. I would ask that you just, Holy Spirit, just talk to me. How are my, consider my ways. Talk to me. See if there's any unclean thing about me. And then after a bit, Dan will lead us in communion. And again, there's communion because you've set right what's wrong. You've entered into this relationship with God. You have seen his heart in your heart and you're communing with him. You've aligned yourself with faith in God. Will you do that with me? Amen.